like to welcome you to our service. If you'd like to find your place in Romans chapter 12, Romans chapter 12, the title of the message is fulfilling our purpose in 2024. Have you found your purpose? And are you fulfilling that purpose? God didn't just save us to, to bring us to heaven, which I'm glad for that. I'm glad for everlasting life, and I'm glad I have it right now. It's secure in Christ Jesus. But God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And, and here in Romans chapter 12, it mentions different gifts that were given to each person. And, and we all have a purpose. We all have something that God wants us to accomplish right here in this local church. And wherever you're listening from, wherever you're at, and in your local church, God has a purpose for you. And I trust that you're fulfilling that purpose. The day that you got saved, God gives you a God-given gift or purpose for your life. And I hear people say, well, I just don't know what my purpose is, or why am I here, or what am I to do, or how am I supposed to do it, or when am I supposed to do it, and all these things are great questions, but you don't have to figure all that out. It's in God's Word, and He tells you the how, the when, the what, the where. And we can distrust Him. But I want us, as we read this entire chapter of Romans chapter 12, I want us to, to, to start, obviously, in verse 1, because verse 1 is much different than verse 21, and without verse 1, verse 21 cannot happen. Everything in the chapter here builds off verse 1 and verse 2. And if you miss verse 1 and verse 2, or if you struggle doing verse 1 and verse 2, then you're going to have a hard time fulfilling your God-given purpose that's found in this chapter. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 it says, I beseech you therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This is the foundation here. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith. Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering. Or he that teacheth on teaching. Or he that exhorteth on exhortation. He that giveth, let him do it with simplicity. He that ruleth with diligence. He that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of saints given to hospitality. 
Bless them which persecute you, bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice, and weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And as we try to take in all 21 verses here, that's one tall order to fill. Being who God wants us to be, fulfilling his purpose for our life, being a Christian is just not easy. Being who God wants us to be is not easy. Why? Because we have two natures. We've got a good one and we've got a bad one. We have the flesh and then we have the spirit. And unfortunately, whichever one you feed the most is the one that's going to come out on top. But God saves us and he gives us a new purpose. And we're to serve God and serve others by doing what God has for us to do. You know how we serve our community? We serve our community by giving the gospel to them. That's what Christ put us here for. That's why he put the church here in Myrtle Beach is to give our community the gospel message. We serve our church by accomplishing the purpose God has given to every born-again believer. And here we're, 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 very, we're, you know, we're, we're really thrilled and honored to have so many visitors that come through on a weekly basis, people on vacation and just being in the resort town that we are. We get to see a lot of folks that are... They come back every year or just even for the first time, but they're looking to go to church. And we thank God for our visitors. And we really feel like we get the cream of the crop from wherever they're from because while they're on vacation, they chose to come to church. And we appreciate that. But even our visitors have a God-given purpose for them when they attend our church. They're to be a blessing to us as we are to be a blessing for them. And some of the visitors who have come through these doors over the last four years since I've been here, or right at four years, working on the fourth year, they have said some of the kindest words and timely words and heartfelt words. And, and I know, and I wrote them in my Bible because they helped me. They encouraged me as they walked out the door. And, and uh, we've also had some visitors come through that, that said some things that didn't encourage. And I thank God for them as well. But our first purpose here as we see in Romans 12, 1 is to the Lord. It, it says in Romans 12, 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Our body and our mind should solely be given to the Lord. 
Pastor Jack Treber over at North Valley Baptist Church in, in California, in one of his messages, he mentioned uh, uh, yoga and uh, how its roots uh, are in Hinduism and Buddhism, but uh, mostly comes from Hinduism. And yoga is based on uh, rituals used in pagan worship. And the goal of yoga is to separate the body and the mind, the physical and the mental, you know, mind over matter. And can I just say that America has been overrun and infiltrated by Hinduism. The Gnostics uh, had the same belief that anything done in the body didn't affect the soul. It's okay to sin in the body, you know, because it, it won't infect the inner being, well, what a lie from the devil. But God's purpose for us is that our body and our minds be acceptable unto him. We need our bodies to worship him in spirit and in truth. We cannot fulfill our God-given purpose without presenting our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto him, and having our minds transformed, being renewed. Well, how many times have we come to church in our body, you know, and you get here, you sit down and go, Phew, man, I'm here. You know, I made it. My body's here. And God has our body, but the problem is our mind's not yielded. We're not willing to allow him to renew our minds. We're here physically, which praise the Lord, you're here. But sometimes our minds can be a thousand miles away and we're not even heeding the message. We're not even listening to what's being said because we got so many other things in our mind. That's not being renewed. That, that right there is just falling up underneath the burden. One of our Sunday uh, uh, visitors uh, came, came by as they were leaving and... Uh, uh, they, they told me, says, you know, if you want to be ready to worship by 11 a.m., then no later than 10.30 a.m., you better be dead to self. He said, because if not, it ain't going to happen. Our body and our mind need to be 100% yielded to the Lord. If we come in here with reservations, if we come in here saying, well, I ain't going to do this and I ain't going to do that and... and <coughs> Just forget it. God's not, God's not going to speak to you and you're not going to fulfill your God-given purpose because you're not presenting your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. You know, this world treats Sundays as any other day and there's so many things on Sundays here in America that wants to draw your attention away from God. Some Christians struggle just to give God one hour on Sundays. I'm talking about one hour of undivided attention. They won't show up for Sunday school because that just really overload them if they did that. And why is that? It's because they got too much world. And they don't have enough room for Jesus. There's no room in the end. Our first purpose should be to the Lord. You see, everything that's going to take place in this chapter hinges on verse 1 and 2. Our second purpose is a personal purpose. In Romans 12 and verse 3 it says, For I say through the grace given unto me to every man that is among you, 
not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. We can't all be special singers. We, we, we can't all preach or, or teach. But we all have a purpose. And God requires that we not think too much of ourselves. Why is that? It's because we need each other. Our, our God-given purpose uh, may not be out on the front stage but it does take everyone in their place doing their part. And God warns us here the danger of getting the big head when we do find our purpose and get to the point where we say, well, I did this and I did that and so-and-so doesn't, you know, do near as much as what I do. And you got to be careful. And when it comes to our God-given purposes and gifts, there's two factors that come into play for every person. First of all, not everyone has the same abilities. And not everyone has the same level of commitment to their God-given purpose. Some people are wholeheartedly given to their purpose while others are only at it at 10% or maybe 50% which that does not make it right for them, and it can affect the morale of other Christians, but we're still not allowed to get the big head. Because compared to Calvary, there's no one of us that can measure up. But that should not stop us from trying to give God our very best. We shouldn't compare ourselves to others. We need to compare ourselves to Christ. We're to be conformed into the image of his son, not our next door neighbor, our next pew neighbor. In Hebrews 12 too, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. You see, division will set in when one person thinks that they're higher than another. The disciples, boy, they had problems in that area. I mean, even in their little 12-man circle, they had divisions. The old Sons of Thunder's mom, they wanted, she wanted her boys to have a seat on the right and left side of Jesus in his kingdom. Peter was worried about how John was going to finish and you know, the, the disciples had battles among themselves on who was going to be the greatest. Turn with me to Philippians. Keep your place here. Turn to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2 and verse 1. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. 
Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation. Think about that. Of no reputation. And took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmurings and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless to sons of God without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Here we're talking about our personal purpose and how it affects us individually and how we're to conduct ourselves as we accomplish our God-given purpose or gifts. And the way that we do things ought to be Christ-honoring. It ought to reflect the character of Christ. I was recording a, a Sunday morning message, I think it was, a few Sundays ago, and, and my daughter was playing the song Love Divine as an intro there before the message, and oh, how it speaks that he died for me and he died for you, and the fact that Jesus loved us so. And as I got to the pulpit, my heart was just overwhelmed with the love of God for me, and I kind of got choked up and I, I didn't turn around and clap at my, at my daughter there for, for, for playing that song. I just immediately started praising the Lord for his love for me and her music and my praise was for the Lord. And while I'm on the subject here of piano playing, when the offertory is played on Sunday mornings, when we take up Sunday morning's offering, that's not an interlude time. That's not a time where our worship becomes casual. It's not a time, it should not be a time where we get caught up with our neighbors and, and uh, talking with our neighbors and getting caught up on the latest things that's happening. It's not time to be walking around either taking care of your business. Taking up the offering and the offertory is part of our worship to the Lord. And God does not take kindly to anybody that interrupts his worship. First of all, we should be focused on the song that's being played. Well, we ought to be thanking the Lord that he provided for us this week so that we could give our tithe and our offerings and to missions. Uh, second of all, it's very disrespectful to the person playing the piano or playing the offertory. The third thing, if you're walking around or you're being a distraction, 
You know, you're subject to be a stumbling block for someone else who's trying to be respectful. And and I'll be honest with you, it distracts me. And I'm just wondering myself, what is that person doing? What is that person thinking right now? I just saw a little nail sticking up there, and I just want to make sure since the hammer was out, I just go ahead and make sure it's flush. I I want to make sure nobody trips on that. But Paul goes on here to list several things in Romans 12. And let's go back to Romans 12. And he he points out several things, that several gifts that God gives to different people. And in verse 6 it says, Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, whether prophecy, let us prophesy according to the proportion of faith, Or ministry, let us wait on our ministering, or he that teacheth on teaching. Some God-given gifts or purposes he gives, but not to everyone. Here we have the gift of preaching and being called into the ministry full-time and teachers. That's not for everybody. But we can all give out the gospel. We can all be a witness in our area of influence. We can all give out tracts. We can all support those that are ministering. We can support those who preach and teach by showing up and being faithful to pray for them and to be there and listen to what God has put on their heart to give to us. You see, we've all been given a purpose from God, but we don't all exercise that purpose. Because in the next few verses, we're going to see some things that we can all do. In verse 8 it says, Or he that exhorteth on exhortation, he that giveth, let him do it with simplicity, he that ruleth with diligence, and he that showeth mercy with cheerfulness. God has given all of us the gift or purpose of exhorting one another. But you see, the problem with that is not everybody fulfills that gift. Why is that? Because you have to be here in order to do that. In Hebrews 10, 25, it says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. And so much the more as ye see the day approaching. Being in your place will exhort others. Just showing up exhorts the preacher and all those that are around. Here's another thing mentioned in this verse. We can all be givers. We can give of our time. We can give of our talents. And we can give of our treasures to the Lord. And, but right here's the problem. Not everybody does that. Just think about what all this church could do if every member tithed 10%, gave offerings, and gave to missions. Just imagine what else we could do for the Lord or how much more we could do for the Lord. We can all rule ourselves. That means to guard our hearts, to to rule over our own actions and our tongues. You know where most divisions come in a a church? I mean, it normally comes from something that's said. And what proceeds out the mouth comes from the heart. That's why God tells us to guard our heart with all diligence. We need to rule ourselves. We can all show mercy. That's something else we can do. We can all show mercy to ourselves and to others. 
We can be compassionate. We can be loving. And you know, sometimes we're harder on ourselves than we should be. I mean, we beat ourselves up over some past sins or faults or some failures or maybe it's a shortcoming or disappointment in our life and, 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 and we really were too hard on ourselves. We're not even merciful or compassionate to ourselves. But right here's what we can do. We can look to the Lord and we can thank him for the mercy he showed us when we were all those things, when we were failing and when we were uh, having shortcomings and disappointments and past faults and sins and instead of allowing that to have dominion over you, you can sit there and thank the Lord for the mercy that he's shown you. And God is merciful and we can rejoice in his mercy. In Romans 12 and verse 9, it says, Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. You see, dissimulation, that, that means the act of dissembling, a hiding under a false appearance, a feigning or a false pretension or hypocrisy. Our love for God and our love for others should be without dissimulation. Our love for God and for the things of God, the work of God, and for God's people is to be genuine, just like God's love was for you and me. Now look, it's, it's almost impossible to like everyone or, or even to be able to be best friends with, with everyone. But we are to love everyone the same. You may not be as close to one person as you are to a, another person. Maybe you're close to this person because you enjoy the same football team or, or hobbies or sports or, or maybe you're into a certain thing at the church that you really like doing and, and uh, you find a connection there and, and you're able to spend more time with that person. But you know, some people are outgoing and some, some people can fit in everywhere and, and then some people are more reserved. But it doesn't mean that you can't love everyone the same. It's just like uh, here in America, the Dallas Cowboys or the Yankees. You either like them or you don't. I'm impartial because I don't like either one of them. Uh, here in South Carolina, you're either pulling for Clemson or you're pulling for South Carolina. Again, I'm impartial. I don't like either one of them. But, but God is saying our love has to be real. All that we do should be out of a heart of devotion and love for God. Why? Because he first loved us. The only reason that we have any opportunity to do anything for him is because of his love for us. Something else we can do is we can all abhor that which is evil and cleave to that which is good. And your evil may be different than mine. Your, your, your besetting sin uh, may be different than my besetting sin. But we should all abhor evil no matter what it is, no matter what shape or form it takes. If you go back to verse 1, it says, Be ye holy. We're to present our bodies a living sacrifice Holy. God expects holiness. 
In Romans 12 and verse 10, it says, Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love and honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. We need to give God all we have when it comes to serving him. God deserves our best efforts. And we need to be kind to our brothers and sisters in Christ. There's no little U's and no big I's in the ministry. The only reason any of us are here is by the grace of God. And there's a place of service for every person. But our service and the amount of service that we do is dependent upon what we do with verse 1 and verse 2. You see, without verse 1 and verse 2 in our lives, then none of these other things mentioned will happen. You can forget about it. The key to fulfilling God's purpose for us in 2024 is fulfilling verse 1 and verse 2. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove that what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Sacrificing our will to God's will. Holiness. Allowing the Lord to renew our minds is key to fulfilling our God-given purpose in 2024. Verse 1 and verse 2 are a top priority. They're to be our top priority. And then God will provide us with our purpose. And we can go on to be who God wants us to be in this year. But in order for God to have all of us and do what he wants with us, then we must present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God. Many Christians will never accomplish God's purpose and prosper in the gifts that he gives them because they refuse. They refuse to surrender their bodies and their minds to the Lord. Oh, their soul belongs to them, but they won't yield themselves to his service. They've removed their body off the altar. They've left off the renewing of their mind. Why? Because they got their own agenda. And they'll never receive the rewards that God had for them simply because they struggled with Romans 12, 1 and 2. Are you fulfilling God's purpose for which he saved you?